Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mike the Gardener podcast, sponsored by those lovely people at Natural Grower, who supply plant-based products for both organic and chemical-free gardening and your houseplants. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast. Now, if you were listening last week, you'll know that this week I'm chatting to the winner of the Young Horticulturalist of the Year competition 2022. For me, this is a particular pleasure as being a guy of a certain generation, certain age, I'm passionate about looking to the future to see where our horticulturalists and gardeners are coming from. And if you tuned into the last series, you may recall I spoke to Victoria, the national organiser and chair of the Young Horticulturist of the Year competition. I was heartened during that conversation when Victoria told me that up to 2,000 young people can apply for the competition. And so today, as I say, I speak to one of those 2,000 entrants and indeed the winner of this year's competition, Charles Shee. During the course of my chat with Charles, he tells me how he got into gardening as a child in Sheswan, South China, where he recalls riding on the back of an ox through his grandparents' paddy fields. Now there's a memory for you. Interestingly, Charles did his two-year apprenticeship at Waterperry Gardens. And again, if you listen to the first series of the podcast, you may recall I spoke to the head gardener there, Pat Havers. Isn't it a small world sometimes? In today's episode, Charles tells us all about the competition, how it works, how he felt when he was announced as the winner, and lots more. I started by congratulating Charles on winning the competition, which he likened to Harry Potter's Triwizard Tournament. Well, firstly... Congratulations, Charles, on Young Horticulturalist of the Year 2022. How does it feel? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how I feel, actually, because it kind of went um, by in a bit of a blur. So I usually uh, do the the competition on a yearly basis. I mean, as you probably know, it comes in um, three rounds and then the qualifying round and then there's a regional final and a grand final. But with each of these stages... Um, you get a bit of a prize so you know it's sort of 20 minutes work for about 25 pounds you can just <laughs> use that at a pub or buy a, a nice lunch afterwards um so um yeah it, it's it's quite an exciting actually uh, to have to have one but um I don't think it quite feels quite real yet now you were actually crowned or appointed the winner in was it May yeah, that's right. So it was, I think, early May, something like the 5th on yeah. a Saturday. And um, so it was at Warwick University um, and it was a nice train journey up and then a bus. And we stayed in this grand spanking lovely hotel. Everything was um, really clean. And, you know, it's like all the contestants, we, we met up for dinner um, at, at the, the local pub, the Dirty Duck, the night before. And it kind of <laughs> felt like sort of... Um, you know, like Harry Potter, the the Triwizard Tournament. And, you know, everyone <laughs> comes into the scene and um, you kind of have to, like, t- talk about who you are. And and then on social media, have, like, our pictures put up and then mm. um, a little introduction, sort of hyping hyping things up. So, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a... 
quite a sort of stressful and anticipating sort of um, coming up to the the event. Um, but it was a lovely Friday sort of uh, morning and we had lovely buffet breakfast before going over to the Ramphill Theatre, um, which is fantastic lecture theatre in um, the, the Warwick campus. Um, and so where we were sort of put on stage and on the big screen. And how many finalists are there when you get to the final? So um, from what I've heard, there are usually about 2,000 um, um, applicants yeah. or um, contestees. And then so this kind of whittles down to the regional finals, um, about eight people um, per regional final. And there are eight regional finals. And then the winners from those regional finals go on to the grand final. So there were eight of us and we were operating this sort of buzzer type systems. So if you imagine like countdown, but actually it's a bit more intense because it's just you with the buzzer. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's sort of frantically trying to, to buzz um, within the first two seconds and second guess what the answer might be. So actually some, um, there were times when, you know, you'd buzz and, and be like, oh, oh no, actually I don't know the answer. And so you have to quickly <laughs> make something up. And that paired with the adrenaline was just really... Um, quite quite something and um, you know caused quite a bit of laughter in the audience I suppose. Well we'll come back to the final in a bit a bit later on I wanted to know you said that you because obviously you you can apply for this year in year how many years have you been applying for it then Charles? So I think this is probably uh, year four now so I started um, going for this when I found, first found out about it when I did my apprenticeship at Waterbury Gardens which I think you've I've done a podcast for with Pat. I have, yes. Like. I know Pat Havers, the head gardener at Waterbury. It's a beautiful garden. It's really quite lovely, isn't it? And um, the garden itself is such a great learning, place of learning. It started by Beatrix Havergal in the 18, um, early 1900s. And, and that sort of was passed down. And, you know, actually, that's where I did most of my learning um, working in the fruit orchard with the various 50, 60 varieties of apples, plums, pears. Yeah, yeah. Um, selling selling herbaceous plants that we grew in the nursery and they specialise in asters, of course. Mm. Um, if you try them, some of them are renamed now. But um, so and then and um, working in the the walled garden with Chris, um, working with the the fruit and veg, and then of course the lovely teaching gardens, which Pat and her team managed as well. Um, so it's really quite a lovely place. So um, actually, I I uh, studied. At the Waterbury School as well, I did my IHS level two there under Annette, um, mm -hmm. and so Annette was the, the the person who who let me know about the Young Horticultural Society Year Competition, and I thought I'd just uh, give it a go, and got my sort of twenty five pounds runner-up <laughs> prize <laughs> uh, my first year there. Well, we'll say we'll come back to the the details of the competition in a moment. So I wanted to know then you you worked at Walter Perry. So how long did you work at Walter Perry for? And sort of like where else have you worked? So I um um well I suppose you could classify it as a career changer. So I went to university and I studied geology, uh, bachelor's and masters. Um, so I I quickly fell in love with actually the nature. Um, when we were sort of out hiking and mapping into mountains in in um, northwest Scotland and um, particularly the Alpine so I, I decided after university to do some volunteering with the conservation volunteers so lots of practical conservation um, in the local 
environment around Leeds and that took me to to Iceland where I um, did lots of um, invasive species removal so Lupinus nuctitensis uh, which is the the, the the legume which they scatter in Iceland to, to fixate nitrogen for the farmers yeah, and yeah. then the ranges there are you know frantically trying to remove this because it's just spread it's spread uh, by by explosive action okay and um so it's just taking over and you know killing all the moss and the small trees um so I spent spent a good few months doing that and came back to the uk thinking well you know i i should do something with plants and uh sort of water peri just just was close to home for me and um growing up in Oxford so I, yeah, yeah. I spent two years um at Water Perry doing my level two RHS and level three city and guilds um and, and in the meantime also um I had a I had a little bit of time at the Singapore Flower Festival so I got by the bay and um in in their orchids collection as well which is really fantastic so really um quite a range of um experiences from mm you know, the soil geology to um, conservation, practical conservation, and then starting out to horticulture. Um, and then, of course, coming coming to Kew, I did diploma um, for three years, which is um, a combination of nine months in practical placements uh, in gardens, arboretum, um, mm-hmm. glass houses and nurseries, and then three months lecture block, basically three months of hell, <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully um, the people in school aren't listening to this but very intense three months basically like a year of university crammed into three months every year uh, with multiple <laughs> projects alongside a, a full-time I'm job. sure even if they are listening Charles they know what they're doing they know what they're putting you through because they probably all been well they have all been through it themselves yes absolutely and um, you know I was really surprised actually when I was in Singapore to to meet people who had had done the Q diploma, the three-year course, and um, they're sort of everywhere. It's kind of like you know the the mafia of the horticultural world. <laughs> uh, you go to the far outreaches of Australia, and someone will have um, studied at Q, and mm. you know it's it's just the great great place to be. I think. So, where did your love of gardening come from? What do, do your family garden? What do you, what are your first gardening or plant memories? So I remember as a kid, so I was born in um, in Canton in the south of China. And I remember in the summers, um, I would visit my grandparents. My parents were busy working. Uh, my grandparents lived in Sichuan, so southwest China. And um, they had a little, a, a little field where they um, grew sorghum and corn and had rice paddy fields. And um, I remember really vividly, that uh, riding on the ox so so they had an ox which you would plow the fields with like really old school and um so it was riding on this ox as it sort of went through the paddy fields um trying not to fall in um you get very very wet and muddy but so I think that was really um my first sort of experience you know in that bucolic Siswan mountainous countryside with the terrace fields that you see um in those pictures so um, i'm sure we can all picture the the, the paddy fields you say with the ox I, i've got a very clear picture in my mind now yeah yeah and it was just really nice and i think you know people talk about like going back to 
these um, these younger times, thinking back to the, with these feelings of nostalgia um, to, for example, Oxford Place I grew up. You know, I, I think back to these places, and Oxford is quite a really lovely green city. Um, mm. I remember also just as a as a kid, sort of um, walking through the university parks every day, um, and there was this amazing weeping uh, weeping beach. Um, so tall and so just it's kind of like it's falling from the heavens um so it's really really inspiring i think you know there's so much that contributes to to perhaps uh, one's um passion for, mm. for horticulture and i think the thing is like when i when i meet people who have found horticulture they they say exactly that how they they found um this this amazing career or job or sector mm. which i i find um doesn't really apply for many other jobs uh, perhaps i mean i'm sure there are but yeah, it's yeah. just this one trend i find horticulture and plants that is really quite unique so when you were at q did you have um an idea of what you wanted to do when you'd finished your diploma there so actually it changed quite a lot because i came to q thinking well, actually, I really want to work in uh, medicinal horticulture. Okay. So, um, again, um, be sort of with my Chinese heritage, um, traditional Chinese medicine was sort of part of my childhood. And I remember um, these sort of brown concoctions, which mum and dad would sort of whip up when I was, when I was ill and um, it tasted <laughs> um, horribly bitter. And um, so, you know, that this sort of exposure made me want to pursue that. I don't, I don't know why, maybe it's self-torture, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but so, so I kind of pursued that. There's this dissertation you do in your third year on the Q Diploma, which, um, you know, you do your own research projects and write about 12,000 words on it. And mm. so I kind of pursued that route. I um, sort of um, researched a group of, plants in the genus scutellaria so it's in the dead nettle family lamiaceae yeah and i i got a bunch of seeds about 50 species from the millennium seed bank where um millennium seed bank is uh the, the store of um the world's seeds to, to conserve for a future population if you know we lose everything for example yeah 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 change. yeah and so um so i got some seed i grew it on site and then i analyzed it for, for new potential medicinal compounds and uh, whilst analyzing it for, for genetic variants as well. And um, we've, we found about six new um, compounds, uh, new to science. I mean, people find new compounds sort of every day, but it was just something really nice to do and to contribute um, uh, in terms of like a, a bigger project as well, which my supervisor was doing. So that was really wow. quite fantastic. But after uh, you know, after doing that, after 12,000 words and three years of um, uh, perhaps torture, I, I kind of <laughs> went the other way. So um, I'm very much a, a practical horticulturist now working in the Arboretum here at Kew, uh, looking after the rhododendron dell. And so I've kind of put the research side aside for now. Um, but there's really some quite exciting things going on um, in the rhododendron dell as well. Okay, so at this point, before entering the competition this year had you in mind okay this is now what I would like to do as a career did you have a focus on or a direction you'd like to pursue yeah I 
I suppose, you know, I didn't really have that many expectations. I really enjoyed being in outdoors in nature and doing a bit of weeding, doing a bit of mulching. I think I just say this to many people. And, um, you know, I think that's really what I like and seeing things change in through the seasons, um, creating a, a garden and seeing how that develops and seeing all the insects and the sounds and the colours and the, mm. you know, the tantalising feelings that you get from that. So, I mean, that's really all I kind of wanted. So I think it fits into so many categories. Um, but I think being outdoors was what I really wanted to do. And um, I suppose a botanic garden really helped me to link the scientific background that I had yeah. um, to the more practical side. So it's kind of like, I suppose, the perfect marriage, if you believe in that. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely do believe in that. I really do. And I think sort of like right. as a gardener, we all know what it's like to be outside. Um, just so wonderful to be so close up to the seasons and to see the, the passage of time through gardens, through plants, through trees and shrubs. Uh, it really is an amazing thing to do. So you you decided to enter the competition. So what yeah. what was the first step for this for this current year then for the year that you won? What, what was the first thing you did? Who did you contact? So it's um, since the pandemic, the competition's um, gone online. So before uh, before sort of the pandemic, uh, it was it was all sort of you you go into your nearest classroom or college, and there are a group of you. And it's kind of like doing uh, multiple choice questions at school. You, mm. you tick um, the box you think is the correct answer. And then the, um, the operator or the lecturer or the teacher will flick to the next slide. And you get about, I think, a minute for each slide, 40, 40 questions in total. But um, so this year it was an online um, sort of event and timed as well and yeah. multiple choice. So times... Um, you you could uh, you could be matching different root stocks to uh, different fruits through you know some of the MM rootstocks apples St Julian A's B's etc to plums quinces to pears um, others will be uh, for example like uh, what does IUCN stand for so that's International uh, Union for Conservation of Nature for example and you'd have to type that out within mm -hmm. um, thirty seconds or before oh, wow. the timer ran out and press enter else it doesn't get entered <laughs> so it's like you know i think that was actually the most stressful bit for me i really quite enjoyed the buzzers actually the buzzing rounds um because you, you just buzz and then you think about it and then you answer and it's that, that adrenaline really keeps you going and not really um that that forward of tech actually so mm -hmm. it's um yeah that, that that was really it was an online event for the entry so at the end of that first round, do you know straight away whether you've got through to the next round or do you have a painful wait to hear the results? There is, yes, exactly that, a painful wait <laughs> uh, before finding out the results. Usually, um, even when you complete the, the quiz, it sort of just gives you some sort of, um, you know, it, it's not like, wow, you won. It's kind of like you will receive your results of whether you progress to the next stage or not within a space of two weeks and if we don't contact you then maybe you haven't made it oh goodness me so it's 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 kind of like you're anticipating every 
um, every day, like, oh, well, am I going to get my um, 25 pounds runner up <laughs> prize or am I going to go through or am I going to get nothing? So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a bit of waiting, but also, you know, that's part of the fun, I think. Well, add the anticipation, the excitement, I guess. So obviously you get through the first round, you go through to the second round. So tell us about the second round. So the second round was at Wisley um, a month after the qualifying round. And it was in the, in the evening. So I think 6 p.m. And uh, I think I remember thinking, oh, what, what should I take? annual leave for the day from work so I could go and that's exactly what I did and I had a nice walk around um, RHS Wisley which is looking fantastic and I think in their Pinetum there was um, their, their, their hyacinths were flowering and it's just in the grass and I thought that was really quite a lovely really um, bright pink hyacinths flowering in the grass. So this um, was March April time I guess? Yes around yeah. then um, and so yeah and um, it was that was the in in their new theatres, so everything was really flash and shiny, I remember. Mm. And it, the, the quiz started at six o'clock and there were sandwiches and tea and coffee and a massive sort of screen where they, they displayed all the points um, and the leaderboard. And you would sort of, as you um, played, you would look backwards to see uh, how you were ranking. Oh, so you um, could see as you were progressing where you were on this leaderboard. That's it, yeah. So everyone's wow. got a buzzer. Um, they were at Wisley. It was really nice because there were different coloured buzzers: yellow, red, green. Um, and um, so, as as the rounds progressed, there were eight rounds um, mm. in the in the regionals and the final, the grand finals. And so, um, after each round, the quiz master would read out uh, how everyone's doing the leaderboard. So and so has this many points. This person has the second or third with this many points and you know always encouraging um, us as we go that there's still time and actually the plant ident round gives you the the highest amount of points so that's always something to study so the, the plant and pest ident. So how many plants and pests did you have to identify as part of this round do you remember? I think it was 10 plants and 10 pest diseases and you know, physiological symptoms, for example. Yeah. And um, it, they were by, by pictures. Mm. I think depending on which region you are, you might get life material um, or, or, or pictures. So uh, at the in this instance, in, in the southeastern region, it was by pictures. And actually the plant ident was incredibly difficult. A lot of the plants were... <laughs> Um, tropical from, from glass houses and I you know <laughs> I, I kind of finished it thinking well actually you know I I I, I that's it I didn't make it that's that's the end um, but the, the pest one there was one of them was a, a longhorn beetle this beautiful large beetle with um, black um, and white spotted markings and really long antennae um, so I got that one I remember learning about that from entomology um, but, you know, it kind of is like the adrenaline's going, you just have about five minutes to scribble everything down. Yeah, and then yeah. this is pre going up on stage to do all the buzzer business. And then they, the, the thing they do is they add um, the, the scores up at the end. So you never know um, how you're going to do. And for example, last place can jump up to first place. So it's always a bit of a anticipation right throughout the event about 
about two hours in total. This is very reminiscent of the Eurovision Song Contest, from what I can remember. <laughs> but you'll oh be, yes, exactly. Everything changes like that. in the in the last sort of like half an hour of the um, program. So, have had you previously got through to the second round in your other attempts at um, going into the competition? No, I've never gotten through to the second round, so it was a complete surprise to me, and I had no expectations whatsoever. Right. Um, and arriving, you know, you meet these other contestants who have. Um, got into the second rounds many times before and so I suppose I arrived just thought well you know this is just going to be a bit of fun um, but it, it turned out to I just happened to keep getting through to the next round and it yeah. kind of just flew by and um, but the questions were were nice they were really good fun I think it's just really nice to know actually because often you know, working outdoors, you don't use a lot of this knowledge, mm. but it's just nice because it's so broad. Um, the questions are asked with many different areas um, to, to actually just to, to, to test myself again and um, to to have that appreciation of, yes, I, I've learned something. And, <laughs> um, so that was really quite nice. So at the end of the second round, did you feel, well, I've done quite well. Did you feel confident? Uh, I, I, I think I did win by quite a bit of a margin in um, the regional. Uh, okay. I think it was, it was about um, fifty points from second place. So, well, that's a good um, margin. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think I was quite lucky. This just happened to be things I know because there's so many, so many things in horticulture that could be asked. Yeah. Um, but this, this margin was a lot closer in the grand final so I had a narrow six point lead in the grand final right so the grand final is the third and final round is it that's right yeah right so so we know that it was at the University of Warwick in early May so tell us what happened on the day of the grand final did you know the other finalists at that point so we'd all went out for dinner the night before at the Dirty Duck. Oh, you did say, yes. At the Dirty Duck, yes. And um, we did, some of them, uh, I had a chat with some of the people there because we were, we were sat on different tables. Um, so we had a bit of a chat there. It was quite informal, so it wasn't like, oh, actually, I'm from here, I've done all this. Um, so actually, that was quite nice. But, um, you know, in terms of, like, their skill level or how much they knew, um it's always quite difficult I suppose to judge a bit by its cover so mm. they, um you kind of go in on the day after the buffet breakfast you'll walk over from the the hotel that we were staying by to the little lecture theatre about a five minute walk and you know the heart's going and yeah you can barely um summon up a, a sentence to say <laughs> to anyone and, and so, you know, we go in and we have a cup of tea, have a bit of a chat to some of the people, the guests that were invited to watch. So there was a guest about 100 people, I'd say, in the audience. And then, and then we just sort of one by one went into the lecture theatre and sat down uh, with a big camera that started recording. I didn't know it was going to be recorded live. Um, so, so it's, you know, kind of had to be a bit careful of what you say yeah. <laughs> since it's all recorded. So how does that final round actually work then? Is that a buzz around again or is it more than that? So like the regional final round two, it's, it consists of eight rounds. Um, so there are buzz rounds, uh, which, 
a question is read out and the person who buzzes first uh, is able to answer. And then there are directed rounds, which everyone gets uh, a, a, an uninterrupted amount of time to answer uh, a particular question. Mm. So it's an alternation between buzzer rounds and directed rounds. And uh, one of the rounds uh, will be the the addition of the marks of the pest and disease ident. So it's the the, the, the second and third rounds are quite similar in that format. Mm. The third, um, the grand final, the third round, the questions, they really bump up the difficulty. Yeah. You really have to say a lot more. Um, so it's it, it was yeah quite fun but also um, quite stressful. And how did you feel at the end of that? Did you feel confident in what you had done? You had the answers you'd given. So there was one question I'd say uh, which really kind of spooked everyone, or well, spooked or made everyone laugh. But and the question was, who was Turnip Townsend, and what did he do? And usually people sort of buzz um, immediately or before the question's finished. But in this instant, no one buzzed. And for about five seconds, everything sort of just was still and it froze. <laughs> and so I decided to, to buzz in and just say something because, you know, there's nothing to lose. You don't lose points for buzzing in. Exactly. Uh, and um, I, I, I said, well, someone perhaps is good at growing turnips. Um, but I didn't get any marks for that, unfortunately. The Turnip Townsend was an agricultural reformer um, in, I think, in the 1600s or 1700s. And he was the first person to come up with crop rotation. I, I noticed, Mike, that you had a bit of a reaction then. I, I thought maybe you knew the answer. You well, yes, when you definitely. mentioned the name, it did ring a bell. And I thought, yes, I've definitely heard this name. Um, so I was going to ask you if, you, if you hadn't, which you kindly have, who he is. But yes, Turnip Townsend is a name that I'm familiar with for my horticultural studies. But I'm a little bit older than you, so I probably was taught by Turnip Townsend. <laughs> right. Well, I, I don't know. I think you look quite, quite young for... Uh, on, the, on the screen I mean, <laughs> the screen is very good yeah the screen is very good at covering up a multitude of sins but yes turnip townsend sort of threw a bit of a spanner into the works for all of you yes that's it you know and what an illustrious guy and there's so many hundreds of years of horticulture that you could have you'd have to learn and study to, yeah. to learn all these answers i mean anything could come up i think one year um sort of one question came up about uh, how how wide and long is a cricket pitch and it, it, so I, I think sort of 22 yards for the length and good goodness knows goodness I, me gosh yes so I'm trying like to how, work how out what speak? the horticultural relevance of a cricket pitch is too but I guess it's for groundskeepers groundkeepers yes absolutely yeah, yeah and of course uh, you know that's such quite a niche sort of area well for me anyway working in a botanic yeah. garden Apart from on Kew Green, where they play um, cricket on the green, I think I don't really get any exposure to cricket pitches. So the final round, the final question's been answered. How long do you then have to wait to find out who the winner is? And what is the process? How do they go about announcing the winners? So actually, it's in a bit of an excruciating way. So you I finish bet. the final um buzz around around seven and they make this extra long so they're about i can't remember about 16 questions or something like that and and everyone's fighting to answer and get the last point in 
<laughs> and so the round finishes and everything goes to quiet and then and then they decide to add up all the scores so that will take a bit of time as well so 10 15 minutes yeah yeah and you know you go for your your loop breaks and all of that and you come back and um and then you find out um, all the sponsors need to do a bit of a speech. So that goes on for about half an hour. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so after a long drawn out wait, um, they, they still kind of keep you waiting. And keep of course. And they start from sort of, you know, like all competitions, I suppose, start from last place and then work up to first place. And um, each person goes up and takes their photo under the banner and with the sponsors as you are, your name's announced and you claim your prize. So when it gets to, so they've done the top six and there's two of you left, do they yeah. keep you hanging on and the winner is, or do, you, do they announce second place and then you by default realise you've won? Yes, that's exactly how it is. Yes. So uh, they, um, they announce it in that order. So they, they announce that Charles Xi is the winner. After hours, weeks and months of waiting and going through this process, how did you feel? I suppose, in a sense, I was elated. Um, you know, suddenly everything went foggy and I, everyone was clapping. And, you know, I realised, oh, I need to stand up and claim <laughs> the prize. And, you know, I didn't really feel like, uh, I still don't feel like I deserve this title because... You know, I feel like in horticulture, the more you learn, the, the less you know. And mm. actually, it's so humbling, mm. um, this trade. Um, so, you know, it, it felt really nice in a sense, but also in another way, I was quite tired. So um, <laughs> after two hours of, yeah, of yeah. competing and buzzing um, and uh, with, also with the four coffees that I had before um, going <laughs> in just to just to hike up the reaction times. So uh, I think you know, perhaps the elation came a bit after, you know, afterwards I did a nice little walk towards Kenilworth um, where, I, where I stayed overnight. Um, so that kind of, uh, during that walk, that 45 minute walk, I then realised that, ah, um, you know, I, I, I did it, I won. Yeah, yeah. it's... it's um, and did know, you have friends and family there to see, see you uh, collect the award or was it just for the finalists? So they kindly some some of the, the staff members from Q actually came up to watch which is really nice to have that support um, and uh, obviously the uh, certain members of the Chartered Institute of Horticulture uh, also gathered together so some of some of them I knew um, so there was quite a lot of support there um, and so that was really nice and reassuring I suppose. Mm. So it's, it's obviously it's the Percy, uh, Percy Thrower Bursary Prize that I'm awarded with um, to go on a travel scholarship um, anywhere in the world. And that's, is that the £2,500 travel bursary award? That's right, yes. And it's um, awarded by the Shropshire Horticultural Society. So it, it was um, a representative from the society who passed it on to me. And I, I think I, I need to come up with a plan actually to of what I'm going to do first and propose that before they'll award me the, the the cash to go and use it, I suppose, which is a good thing. Else I'll probably spend it on a new Xbox or something like that. <laughs> now, I did actually speak to Victoria, the organiser and chair of the Young Horticulturalist of the Year, and I did sort of ask, like, 
can the prize money be spent on anything but of course it is on a travel bursary that will help you with your studies so you've yet to decide what you're going to do with that or do you have do you have some ideas i'm sort of in two minds you know um i i've always wanted to to go to japan i think it's something of the obviously um people's philosophies and you know ways of being are reflected in their gardens and i'm really fascinated with the japanese philosophy of the intersection between buddhism and shintoism and how that's reflected um and so i, I i'd really love to go to japan um but i'm also thinking that with the coronavirus restrictions maybe mm. that might be quite difficult so and i also think having studied gun history in some of the lectures here at Kew, there are so many beautiful gardens here. Um, for example, Kenilworth Castle, which is near Warwick University, uh, which is a lovely 17th century Bristol Elizabethan garden, has just so much to offer, plants planted up um, of, of the period, and just, you know, you stand on, on top of the restored garden, overlook it, and you're just so overwhelmed. And so I'd, I'd, I'd consider maybe going to some of the gardens across the UK, maybe some of the botanic gardens as well. Mm. And um, so that's still yet to be planned and we'll see. We'll see. Oh, well, keep us posted and let us know what you decide to do. Um, just before we leave, I just wondered for, for me and maybe an older generation of people in gardening and horticulture, we're always looking to see where the next generation of gardens is coming from. And it's fantastic that Young Horticulturalist of the Year is sort of cutting edge, really. It's actually leading the way to bring a new generation of gardeners into the industry. How do you think, for, for yourself, horticulture and gardening is perceived with your generation? Is it cool and trendy, or is it something that's mm, maybe not quite so? I think it's really quickly becoming cool and trendy. Uh, I mean, houseplants, for example, have the, the popularity of that has exploded a lot yeah. of the pandemic. And it's sort of, you know, you get these, um, and on Instagram, everyone sort of young and hip, putting up these wonderful photos of the, the plants they grow at home. Mm. And, you know, I think the RHS do a really great job, actually, because um, I when I was first looking for something related to plants, I remember attending a Grow Careers Fair at Ask and Brian um, College in Yorkshire. And just speaking to some of the people there really inspired me. And um, so it's a multitude of things, isn't it? It's events mm. like the Young Horticultural of the Year, it's um, Instagram, it's houseplants. And also next week I'm, I'm, I'm going to Guildhall to, to speak for the Worshipful Company of Gardeners um, to do some of the school children for their careers fair. So it's, it's things like this. So I, so people can pass on um, their knowledge to the younger generation. So I think there's so much being done and, and actually it's definitely working. That's, that's very promising and very reassuring to hear, uh, particularly about going to sort of children in schools. Um, again, when I was at school, horticulture and gardening didn't even appear as a, as a possible option for a career. It just wasn't there. So it's lovely to hear that in this day and age, there's already sort of like promise and uh, growth potential for horticulture and gardening in the younger generation. Charles, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today. Congratulations again on behalf of all of my listeners. Keep us informed as to what you do. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
What a fascinating chat. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's just so encouraging to see the younger generation taking horticulture and gardening forward as it begins to become cool and trendy. (laughs) Well, I never. And with an amazing Percy Thrower travel bursary under his belt, it'll be fascinating to see what Charles does next. I shall be keeping a very close eye, I can assure you. Next week, I'm off on my travels and I'm heading to a beautiful garden, one I'm sure many of you have visited. It's Sissinghurst, and I'll be chatting to head gardener there, Troy Scott-Smith. So, I'm really looking forward to chatting with Troy about his job and Sissinghurst, and I can't wait to have a nosy through the borders there. And of course, I'll report back on everything next week. So... Until then, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast as there's still loads more to come. And if you can leave a review, that would be absolutely wonderful. So I'll see you next week as usual. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.